Welcome to the CWDW Near and Far podcast, where we explore perspectives of the Walt Disney World Resort from 10 miles to 1,000 miles away. I am Mike, the far in this equation. And I'm John, the near in the equation. So how's your week going there, John? Oh, it's going about the same as the rest. Chaotic, (laughs) but... Yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, Fourth of July today is when we're recording, and uh, I it's weird. And there's no fireworks going off anywhere. So yeah, that, I thought that was odd too. I heard a lot about fireworks, and you know, where I used to live in Pennsylvania, I heard you know it's been nonstop fireworks for a couple of weeks now, and um, there has been some around here, but. It's weird, though. Normally, there's a lot more fireworks around the 4th of July where I live in Florida, too. I almost wonder if they, you know, couldn't get them or something. Because the people are here. The roads are completely filled. The people, all the houses are filled. There's people all over the place. But less fireworks than normal. They're still down here, but definitely less. Yeah, that's the times we live in i guess well my dogs appreciate it they're yeah. not fans of fireworks and i'm not fans of dogs barking late at night so it's a win-win there you go well we're going to continue our series on experiences that remind us of the parks and our vacations and today this is part two and we're going to talk about disney's hollywood studios Or, as some of you like to say, MGM Studios, (laughs) which many of us miss those days. Some of us maybe don't, but uh, we're just going to have a little conversation and go point by point with uh, the things that we love and maybe are reminded, uh, the things that remind us of our vacations and our experiences. And John and I talked a little bit before the podcast about how many experiences are even left there that that remind us of vacations and john what do you think of that Uh, we're we're almost gonna have to like you said uh pre-show we're almost gonna have to venture outside of current existing experiences to really talk about this i i think i think we talked a, a few shows back about ranking the parks and it was kind of done organically, and uh, again, I didn't start my list or even I, – I did it just before the podcast. I just jotted it down, and I let it go till that much of last minute. And it kind of surprised both of us that Hollywood Studios, I believe, was at the bottom of both of our lists, even though it has great rides and it has you know Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, and Toy Story. It's a great park, but somehow it still ranked – at the bottom and i think that this episode will kind of reflect why that is with so much new stuff at hollywood studios most of the nostalgic pieces that you think of when you think of the studios that make you want to go back that make you miss the vacations miss the parks i think a lot of them are gone you know not all of them but many of them are and so when i was uh ranking the parks in my mind there wasn't much left that made me anxious to get back. And so like this kind of directly reflects on where Hollywood studios fell in our ranking podcast. And again, we started with animal kingdom because my thought was, you know, it's got the least attractions. It's the newest park. That will probably be the park that has 
the 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 least amount of these moments that you think about that remind you of vacation that make you want to go you know get back to Walt Disney World and visit again but i think uh as far as what's left i think hollywood studios may be that park and i should have known with the rankings but again we'll we'll see when we uh when we start doing it would you like me to start out yeah. the list yeah sure and, go for it I'm going to start with one that was, uh, I'm definitely not alone in this being my favorite. And I don't know why Disney has a habit of eliminating most of my favorite things over time. I guess because I like, you know, original things. But in this case, the Osborne Family Lights. Mm-hmm. I have not even seen it that many times. I Because I I, I, I I believe the first time I saw it was like 2004. And... It made such an impression on me that it kind of ruined Christmas lights in general for me for everything else going forward. Like, you know, I'd I'd come back from vacation and they'd be like, oh, look at the Christmas lights. And I'd be like, yeah, just it's it's just not even close. Like they did such an awesome job. And I think a lot of people feel that way, too, which why, you know, it was a very as soon as I moved to Florida, I believe uh, it ended immediately, like it was done when I moved out here. So I never really got to experience it a lot like I would have liked to. But I can always remember standing on a corner in Hollywood Studios, and it's snowing, and the lights are completely surrounding you, and the Christmas music is blaring from these, they almost sounded like old-timey speakers. Like it wasn't great sound, but it had like an echoey sound to it. And I remember just looking around and it was just such a spectacular view and feel and Christmas music and snow. And yet it wasn't cold. It was just like, I was like, this is the greatest Christmas thing I've ever seen. And it only got better when they added like the dancing portion to it and stuff. They began to choreograph the lights to dance and this and that. And the popularity grew over time too. And like I said, over the years when I would vacation at Disney, I really didn't go around Christmas time that much because if you can only go to Disney, you know, once a year or every couple of years, you kind of want to hear the Main Street music. You want to hear the Epcot background music. You don't want everything replaced by Christmas songs because you can get that at home, at the mall, wherever. It's So I always liked since I only did it occasionally, I wanted Disney. I didn't want Christmas, even though I like Christmas, except for the Osborne lights. That was the one thing that made me say I would go back to Disney World for that because that is it's it was just that good. And I'm sure mo- anybody who's seen it would agree with that. And it's still sad that it's just gone and not replaced and it's not being moved anywhere and it's uh i don't know who makes these decisions but disney uh they they sure do make a lot of decisions where they take the most beloved things and like oh yeah we're gonna get rid of this surprise it's it's kind of odd and the osborne lights was very high on the top of that list like i'm pretty sure it was you know it went and it, it, it its popularity was only growing it was not you know, it wasn't like, well, it's been there a while, time to get rid of it. It was, it had to go for Galaxy's Edge. But again, 
the way Disney fans and Star Wars fans mix, I'll, I'd be willing to bet if they did a poll, uh, a huge amount of the repeat vis- vis- visitors would have said, would you like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge or the Osborne Lights? They would check the Osborne Lights box. <laughs> As a Star Wars fan, I think you're absolutely right. I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I think as far as Disney fans go, and traditional Disney fans in particular, would would rather have the Osborne Lights than Galaxy's Edge, I bet. And don't get me wrong, I love Galaxy's Edge. and I don't. I, I honestly don't know which box I would check because I live here and I can just you know visit galaxy's edge throughout the year and you know it, it's it's a great place so i i may reluctantly check the galaxy's edge box but like i said i like star wars too but i have a feeling not every disney fan is a diehard star wars fan and many of the park people i don't know for sure but it wouldn't surprise me if the osborne lights may May uh, if we ever do polls, I wouldn't do that one. That'd be that'd be interesting to see the results. That would be, and and I love the Osborne Lights too. I, I saw it before it went. Uh, I went there one Christmas season as well. Not not actually literally Christmas, but uh, you know the first week in December one time, and they had those lights up. And man, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's just an amazing, um, amazing sight. Yep. And I and I bet it stayed with you. I bet it did. You know, even now you can probably think of it, and I can picture the exact yep. moment of being there. Like it's and and all the videos you watch can't do it justice. It's just too yep. much. It's too much for a video camera to be able to take in. It just can't. So. Yeah, it's very overwhelming, without a doubt. It, it was so overwhelming just walking in. The, they called that the streets of America, I believe, at that time, and you know that that back lot there and. They just did such a great job with that. That's a good one, John. I I really like that one a lot. It's a shame that it's gone, but uh, since we're kind of going in the past and attractions that are closed, I, I mean, I I have to do it. Uh, the uh, uh, the great movie ride. What can I say? In my mind, one of the greatest rides I've ever been on. There's nothing that reminds me more of Hollywood Studios than the great movie ride. Just a great experience every time you went there. The queue of the line always has some artifact from Hollywood history. You know, uh, I remember I, w- I went in there before it closed and there was still some Indiana Jones stuff behind glass in there. I, I mean, there's just so many great memories from that ride. And, and it, there's nothing that reminds me more of MGM or Disney Hollywood Studios than that particular ride. And the experience itself, um, it just fit. Uh, you had a, a replica of the Chinese theater at the end of uh, the, the the entry. The well, I don't know. What do they even call that street when you enter? Is that Hollywood Boulevard? Is I that think? it? Hollywood Boulevard? Because I think then yeah. Sunset Boulevard goes yeah. out to Tower Terror. So I think... Yeah, you're right. At the end of Hollywood Boulevard, there is the Chinese theater and nothing that reminds you more of the movies as far as a pop culture reference than that theater. So walking in and experiencing the great movie ride in there, um, it's it's such a love note, such a love song to Hollywood and what it used to represent types of films they put out and everything. I, it's just, it was an amazing experience and an amazing ride. And 
the great times that we had as a family there. Uh, it, it's a must. It was a must see. I, I I haven't ridden the new ride yet, so I can't speak for quality or not quality or anything of that nature. But I I just can't imagine that anything reaches the level of what the great movie ride reached in that part. Well, I'll uh, I'll help you out a little bit and uh, fill in the gap. It won't. Yeah, I kind of figured <laughs> it's it won't compare. And again, it, it's a cute ride. I like uh, it's cute. It's nice. Um, it, am I itching to get back to the park so I can ride it? No. Do I have any type of? Uh, I, I don't know. I I have. It's it's good. From it's well done. That's the most I can say. I I hate that. I didn't even plan on saying it, but there's another beloved popular ride that everybody loved that they got rid of <laughs> and they got rid of and they're not done yet um, I, you know from the news lately they're they're not done getting rid of beloved rides that are the most popular <laughs> so i don't know uh it, it seems to be a trend with disney and uh, yeah I, I i'd have to say uh, it won't surprise me if you like the great or the uh Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad, but again, you won't be clamoring to get back to it, and it'll just be one of those rides. And the uh, the wait times after about a week, they were low enough that I literally went there, just got in line, and I was on it like within an hour. So that to me, based on based on the way fans have been with certain rides lately, that is telling me that it's nowhere near what they thought it would be because. You know, Rise of the Resistance, you just can't get it. And it's that popular, you know. That's uh, And uh, Flight of Passage, still multiple hours when mm -hmm. the park is busy. And to see a brand new ride have a not a bad wait time after only, like I said, a, a week or two, that is not boding well for another decision of, let's tear down a ride everybody loves and mm -hmm. replace it. Because, you know, I, I hear a lot of... Disney fans that basically say, I trust the Imagineers. Everything's always better when they replace it. And it's like, we could do a whole show about that, but not always. Yeah. <laughs> Things are always different when you change them. Not always better, unfortunately. So, But anyway, uh, back to the podcast. Uh, the great movie ride was on my list as well. And the part that was on my list, like the part that, still comes up in my mind when i think about hollywood studios is the uh the uh the the back and forth queue portion in front of the giant screen and why i say it was still popular i still could never ride that ride without watching the movie clips multiple times through because it was that crowded like i hear a lot a lot of people saying oh there was never a crowd there was a crowd. It always took at least like 40 minutes or so at least to get through it. And to me, that's a lot for a ride where you say, oh, nobody wants to go on it. It's like I, they did want to go on it. And it was the same thing with Maelstrom. I heard a lot of people say, well, if you liked it so much, how come there was never a line? There was always a line. It sure. was always at least 30 or 40 minutes for that, too. And a line with nothing to see. So it felt twice as long when you were in it. So, you know, that argument doesn't really work with me because I actually went. And you can tell me there was no line. 
but you can't tell me that I didn't see what I see because I loved those going on those rides. And a lot of times I didn't because the line was so darn long. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I like that uh, walking through those cattle shoots and the, the montage of movies that they used to play on that screen. It was really cool. Yeah, and that's by memory. Cattle shoots and the montage is what I remember most about on vacations. And I remember it, like like I just said, because it was never an easy ride to get on. It always took a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so that was, uh, that was your next one, too, I'm assuming. Well, I have lots more. But... Yeah, go for it. Go ahead. Well, let's get through. I'm, I want to go through the... Uh, extinct ones first and i only have one more item that's not there anymore and this wasn't the greatest thing or you know it, but the honey i shrunk the kids play area mm-hmm. i don't know oh, why yeah. that just felt so unique and so different i remember going there and the gigantic play you know the playground and i actually went through it with my daughter when she was younger like i got to climb in the nets and you know the advantage of, of of being there with a small child is I get to play in it too. So, and I don't know why that area down there just reminded me of Hollywood Studios. It was always a quiet area. They had the uh, the the splash fountain down there, and my daughter's name is Madison, and that that was one of the first places we saw the name Madison used because she looked up and saw Madison Avenue in the movie and at that time everybody was like that's not a name for a girl <laughs> now it's quite common but anyway that whole area down there it was quiet uh not you know it was just a really fun little place to be by where the backlog goes in so that area in general just the play area and that little area down there in the corner that doesn't exist anymore that to me is something i always popped in my head when i thought about Disney World and Hollywood Studios was, you know, they had a gift shop back there. They had a, a restaurant that nobody ever ate at. It was always empty back there in the corner. And but so that's it for that one. Yeah, I have uh, a lot of great memories there too. Taking my kids back there, I've got some great pictures of that area. It is so colorful. It was always so colorful and uh, just vibrant. And uh, I, yeah, I, I just love that. I've got the pictures of the. Of my daughter and her cousin trying to push over the giant Coca-Cola bottle that would, <laughs> the steam would come out of the top, like the, it would uh, spritz water sometimes. And but yeah, just such a like I said, it was a unique place. It was like that area was just very different back there. It was, it was definitely a really a, an area that sparked your kids' imagination. Uh, my next one is actually more along the lines of just kind of uh, atmosphere and that's the music that you listen to or hear when you enter into the park and as you're walking around the park i it's so like it, it just it kind of like the great movie ride uh, even to this day that music just kind of calls you back to the glory days of hollywood and movies and things like uh, that and you'll be happy to know they changed all of it <laughs> Oh, that's not good. So maybe <laughs> this they, is more when extinct. they when they when they redid the buses and the they they made a new bus parking lot and the new area. Like when they redid everything, they also added new music. And it's not going to be what you remember, but I do think they did a good job of it. Like oh, I yeah. I hear the music and I enjoy it. I like it. It feels like it fits. 
but it isn't that same old Hollywood music that it used to be. So sorry to this. Well, that's all right. As long as it's like it's still movie related and things yes. like that, then then I'll be cool with that. And that but they did fit. adjust it to mostly Disney movie related. So uh, you'll, IP, you'll, you'll IP, hear IP. more. Uh, you got a friend in me melodies and you know stuff going on in the background that probably wasn't there before. I I guess I can kind of live with that, but as long as the music is relevant to the movies, and that's cool. I mean, you always have the Tower of Terror to walk in and get a little taste of old-timey, sort of haunting, you know, Hollywood-type music and things like that. So, But yeah, the music was always uh, something that I loved about that park, just because it, it was different and it fit with the park. And that's something that Disney does, I think, really well. They match the music up with the atmosphere of the park. It really complements the the park itself. And and if they did stick with the music, then obviously it's still complementing the park. So I, I just, like I said, it, the music really reminds me of that park and of going on vacation there and, and you know, the, the great times that we had there. My next one, and this one will be short, it's, uh, you know, that little walkway when you walk past the, you're, you're going towards what used to be the great movie ride and then you make a left and it takes you back that little uh, walkway by the ABC commissary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why I always loved that area I, I i never really liked the abc commissary that much but that walkway and they have the seats there and they have it's all television themes so they'd be ha- they, they would play music this goes along with your music again mm-hmm. they'd play music from like sitcoms from like the 80s and 90s and just they had uh, advertisements up for current sitcoms and it was just real tv based and I don't know why I always remember that walkway. I remember walking through it. I remember when we'd stop there. I remember eating there and and that always that always stuck out in my head as a unique spot because it specifically went to television and you could feel the difference when you'd walk through it. Mm. Everything was pointed at television and it's like the rest of the park was movie stuff and, and just you know like I said it always stood out to me as a uh, as a reminder of MGM or Hollywood Studios. When I thought of the studios, I thought of that walkway. Hmm. That's really cool. I've never even uh, recognized that back there. I I know where you're talking about. I've been back to the ABC commissary, more or less walked in and walked out after I really experienced some crowds and the way they were moving the crowds through there. Uh, But uh, I I just never noticed that uh, they were playing specific sitcom music and things like that back there i'm gonna have to check that out whenever we get down there the next time that's that's pretty cool uh my next one is this is a little weird and a little different but uh, around the park uh i think i don't even remember where exactly it is in the park but i sort of remember when you walk down the street away from the tower of terror that next street that uh intersects at the end of that one um there's a lot of movie props and things like that sitting on the street and sitting uh in different areas um maybe not necessarily on the street but sitting on the sidewalk and there's this one place where 
there are a bunch of suitcases stacked up on top of each other. And I remember whenever we took my daughter there the one time, my oldest, my second oldest daughter, took her there and we got this great picture of her sitting on the suitcases, just kind of sitting there looking like a kid that's had a, you know, been fed up with their parents and had enough of their parents and is just waiting for a bus with suitcases. It's kind of what it looked like. And I took that photo and of, of her sitting there kind of leaning on her hand with her, with her legs crossed. And I, I made it black and white. So it sort of looked old timey. And I just loved how that photo turned out. And my daughter loved how that photo turned out. And so every time we go there, we have to get a picture of her doing the same thing. So that, alone like that movie prop those suitcases that really even though it's small it's a little strange and and all that it's just one of these little things that sort of reminds me of that park and uh it's just a moment you know it's a moment that we we captured uh almost by accident that we have to repeat every time we go back so so the suitcases on the sidewalk uh at the end of the street (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. That's it for that one. All right. Uh, I have a few more, but I will stick in the same area. Maybe part of the reason I like the the walkway to the by the ABC commissary too is it's directly connected to the sci-fi dine-in theater. And the atmosphere of the sci-fi dine-in theater is another thing that you know, became a staple. Like when we would talk about when we're going back to Walt Disney World or our next trip, it would always pop up. You know, we got to get into sci-fi dining. Like, and everybody, the memory is it's the middle of the day. The sun is blaring. It's super hot. And then you get to walk into a place where it's nighttime and it's cool. And there's old black and white movies playing on the screen. And you're sitting in these cars and just the feel of it in general it, it it screams vacation it screams walt disney world and you know once if if they ever start operating normally again i i i really look forward to eating again at the sci-fi diner so that's a that's a good one and the bathrooms connect right to the abc commissary bathrooms hmm. And that's a little trick. I probably shouldn't even say it, but <laughs> if you ever just want to see the uh, sci-fi dine-in theater and you don't have reservations and it's like, they won't let you go back there. If you walk in the front door, they'll be like, you know, you're not, no one, you're not allowed to just walk back there. If you go into the bathrooms by the ABC commissary and walk right into the back of the uh, sci-fi dining theater that's where guests from the sci-fi go in and out of the bathrooms you can just walk right over and walk in and at least get a glimpse of it uh, they probably may question you if you're there too long but i went in you know i the it was like a week before the parks closed down i uh, walked over there and i just did a quick minute and a half video of the screen standing on the side and nobody said anything to me. So, again, you're probably not supposed to do that. But, you know, if you're there, you can't get a reservation and you say, well, what's the fuss about? What does this place look like? I want to see it. Yeah, go into the ABC bathrooms and go walk down. the. When you go from the bathrooms to the sci-fi, you have to take a right and the opening will be on your left. So 
Just remember that. If, if, if you go left, you'll end up at the front desk and they might say, can we help you? <laughs> and then tell you, you can't go back there. So Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't even realize there was connecting bathrooms there. That's great. It's funny you mentioned a sci-fi uh, because my last one, I actually don't have any more after this. So it'll it'll all be up to you from here on as far as what your experiences are. But uh, I say funny you mentioned sci-fi because we kind of covered sci-fi in this other restaurant a uh, few weeks back when we did our podcast on the parks. And that's the 50s Primetime Cafe. I... I I can't get enough of that place. I mean, just the atmosphere of that place, how you're kind of stepping back in time in there and uh, stepping into your mom or grandmother's uh, kitchen from the, the, the still looks like it's from the fifties, you know, and uh, kind of inherent in the name fifties prime time, but it almost feels like you're stepping back into a sitcom from the fifties. You get to sit in that kitchen, you get to, have dinner served up by uh, your sitcom family, you know, your your cousin or your your ma or your pa or you know all those people are there and they're yelling at you for keeping your elbows on the table. They're yelling at you for not uh, eating your vegetables and you know they're serving you up this uh, home cooked meal of meatloaf or whatever fried chicken or your standard American fare and you have the TV on showing a black and white sitcom and it's just a great time. The atmosphere there is just amazing. It's like stepping into a dinner show more or less. And, uh, the actors and actresses are your servers. So I have the fifties primetime cafe. I really enjoy it. Um, again, I'm not going to go too deep into it because we covered that in another show but as far as atmosphere goes that thing really reminds me of that park and it's just one of those things that that i just love about it i i do have another one then john i just thought of another one and i'll cover it after your next one all right yeah and i love the 50s prime time too but it doesn't it, it doesn't have the same feel for me though because i've been there once or, i've been there twice i think so and again, it's great, but it never quite became a tradition or a, something that really makes me think of Disney World. But all right, my next one will be the pre-show at the Muppet movie. Mm. Hopefully that's not the one you were thinking of, but just imagine uh, Sam Eagle and all of his quotes, uh, a salute to all nations, but mostly America. And, <laughs> you know, all... <laughs> Uh, uh, the, when Mickey Mouse comes in and and they go, oh, that's not you're you're not Mickey Mouse, you're a rat, and, and he says, rat schmat, they're only tourists. What do they know? It's like just the little one-liners all over in there, and I don't know why. Looking up at those screens while the Muppets are getting ready for the show really brings me back because again, that's another one of those places that you come out of the heat. And you go into this room and it's all at like a, it's at an angle. And, you know, you go into the room and there's TV monitors all over and they use them. It, you, back when they started, it was a clever usage because the Muppets could walk from 
monitor to monitor as they walk by. And I know now that means nothing, but, you know, in the 80s when they first opened, it probably was spectacular technology that you you could do that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the Muppet pre-show made me think of vacation. And when I thought about going back to Walt Disney World, one of the things that, 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 definitely could come up up in my head is the muppet pre-show to see that again yeah no that wasn't the one that i i love that though i i absolutely love that that's great um what i was thinking of and i don't think it's the most popular show in your mind like for you uh and for some people it's it's kind of hit or miss at this point but i had to go with phantasmic because that to me is um just spectacular uh for me anyhow and for my family and i don't don't know it's just one of those disney magic things uh when i think of that park it's definitely something i think of and have to see uh unfortunately i didn't get to see it the last trip uh just the way things worked out but i really phantasmic to me just dazzles it still dazzles me i feel like a little kid when i watch that show pre-shows and the the corny let me say corny pre-show uh as they're warming the crowd up and seeing the kids like twirl those light things around and and stuff before the show and just being in that crowd which unfortunately i don't think they're going to be able to do for a while now you know but uh uh, yeah, unfortunately don't make any plans for fantastic yeah, no. for a long time cuz i yeah, I so, I've heard yeah. things. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. But uh, as far as uh, that goes, Fantasmic is just for me. It's a it's a big show and uh, a, a big part of my park experience there. So that was that was the last one that I thought of. Yeah, and that's funny because I like to illustrate when we uh, have differences of opinion because it does happen and. This is one of those things where Fantasmic has never been... uh, There's been no nostalgia for me about it at all. And as a matter of fact, I tend to think negatively of it only because of the experiences I've had when I go there. Like, I saw it many years ago, and we thought it was great. And then it became so popular that we'd be on vacation again, and we'd go, and we'd start to walk towards it, and they'd be like, it's sold out. It's filled you can't come back you need to get here at least an hour ahead of time and i'd be like what and that that, you know i i was i've been disappointed by its popularity and time it takes to the point where we didn't barely ever did it because we we were like well you need to get there an hour early and then it takes forever to get out because that stadium letting out is just Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah we just didn't do it much we'd only do it very occasionally because of the time it took not that we don't like the show but another another time i think i was with my maybe my mom was there and you know they we really wanted to show her the show it turned out it was standing room only oh wow she's very short she saw nothing it was a bad experience again we were just like yeah it's it like i said i i had a lot of bad experiences with phantasmic not bad but unpleasant things where i just decided not to do it or when i did i regretted doing it and it's not phantasmic's fault they're that good that everybody wants to get <laughs> so <laughs> i won't blame them it's just a, but i just wanted to point that out because everybody has their own things some oh, yeah. people will see two things and some 
someone will see nothing in it and someone will think it's the greatest thing ever. So, and my last one, and it's kind of a cop out, but is the uh, Tower of Terror in general, like the queue, not necessarily the ride. Everybody knows the ride is great, but when you get back to the queue, the queue is always hot. They have, uh, I, I believe they have uh, fog machines going to give even more of like, a, it has a, a unique smell of the fog mm-hmm. machines. You can hear the screams. And for some reason, that's the kind of ride that we would rush to in the morning when we get there. We are like, all right, I'll grab a fast pass for rock and roller coaster, meet you in front of Tower of Terror, like back when you'd have to run to get them. I would be the guy to run with the fast passes to quickly get them and then go to the next. And for some reason, you know, the heat of the morning and the fog and then going into the uh, the next room where it's dark and the TV and then the boiler room, it's like the queue itself just reminds me of vacation. Like it feels like vacation. And even when I go back now, I have, uh, you know, past vacations pop up in my head of the the feel, the, the, uh, feels like deja vu walking through. It's like, no, you're not on vacation anymore, but this, this feels exactly like it as we're walking through the fog and going through the rooms. And so again, that's just the feel. And I know the Tower of Terror is popular, but it, it's popular for me too. I, I like it, and and I also, on a side note, the Tower of Terror itself is a really good Disney ride. You know, I I think you're absolutely right there, John, and that's something that I really didn't think of. But the queue itself on that ride, it's designed to really take you back to another era, and I mean, you can tell just look at the props and everything, and even walking up through that queue with the fog machines and everything it just kind of it's almost like you are walking into the twilight zone yeah and by the time you get back by the elevators themselves there's like a weird quietness and yeah. you, you and then they have the hum of the elevator going, mm, yeah. just it feels very odd like it almost feels like you're not supposed to be back there so yeah. everybody everybody you know depending on the crowd it may or may not but a lot of times people are a little quieter there. Yeah. And it just gets kind right. of like, it feels like a place you're not supposed to be, so you don't want to make noise. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. it, it, but they do a great job of it. And honestly, until you just said that, I never really thought about it too. They take you, they take you through the fog and then they take you into the lobby and then they yeah. take you through the dark, the lights go out and the dim and, I think as they play the movie, it slowly gets darker. And then at the end, the lights flash on and off. And you're so, it's like it pulls you in, takes you to another place. And they just do a great job of it. So much so that I really didn't notice it until you just said, like, that's a part of it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's all show. Pull, 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 pulling your, and by the time you're on the ride itself, you're deep in the Twilight Zone. So oh, it's, yeah. it's just, like I said, that to me is another example of an almost perfect disney ride it may not be for everybody but it's so well done the queue is well done the ride is well done i can honestly tell you i don't get much uh i don't i i I don't have anxiety or fear about rides Uh, i i I just rode uh rip ride rocket the other day at studios it's a vertical up and down and i i really 
I was not moved by it, you know. I'm like, oh yeah, it's nice. But the Tower of Terror can still get me sometimes. Like yeah. when those people are screaming, and I think the scream rattles the nerves and makes you a little off, like the screaming. And then sometimes it stops, and there's like the little kid ghosts are there. Just you can only kind of see them. And when you let me use my imagination a little bit. It's a lot scarier than looking at anything real. So you give me a little bit of weird, creepy ghost images going by. To me, that's scarier than a full-fledged thing that they throw at you, you know. But so anyway, I I still can feel a little uh, anxious when I. By the time I get off, I can feel a little tense and anxious on that. And there's not really. I can't think of any, any other ride I feel like that on. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It, that experience, though, that walk up to that ride with the screams and everything, like you're saying, even as you're walking through all that fog, if you look from side to side, the plants that they chose are the kind of plants that sort of grow and kind of almost look overgrown. They're not really. They're not really overgrown, but uh, they look it and it puts you in mind of some place that maybe has been sitting a while derelict, you know? And and just like you mentioned before, a big part of this experience, the cue that makes me remember, is that old music. That, yeah. It sounds like music. I don't know from what air exactly, but it's really old sounding and just yeah. it has this weird calming semi-sad tone mm. to it of just it's echoey you know. too echoey. oh yeah like i i think they play that song we'll meet again don't know where don't know like and it just it, it just uh, i don't know why just thinking about it gives you a little bit of shivers like wow oh, it's kind of it's a it's well done it's not scary but it's creepy which works better for me like i'm a i go to halloween horror nights and go through every house and stuff but the Tower of Terror is done so well, it can still get you, you know, All just right. a little bit. Just the right amount. Okay, John, that should about wrap it up. Where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me at c.wdw on Instagram, c.wdw on Facebook, uh, c.uo on Instagram, and c wdw on youtube and like i said the youtube channel is the one we're trying to build up because uh, in the big scheme of things that's the big dog in the equation yep i agree uh you can find me at the giant rat on instagram and the giant rat on twitter I'm not very active on there, but uh, there's some content on there. So if you want to check those out, go for it. You can reach the podcast at c.wdwnearandfar at gmail.com. We'll take comments, questions on the podcast, what you thought of the podcast. If you have any questions you want us to answer, you want us to do a Q&A episode someday, we'll be glad to do that. We talked a little bit about that last week. And so that'll do it. We will see you next week on the CWDW Near and Far podcast. Thank you for joining us and stay safe on your adventures.